We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 298. This is the episode about nothing, Scott. It's kind of like Seinfeld, the show about nothing. This is the Yankees podcast about nothing, since there is nothing happening in the world of baseball. Pretty much if the, the month of February is, is pretty, pretty damn dry, usually. Uh, end of January, beginning to the middle of February. But we actually get to see baseball this month, so... That's 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 what's keeping me no, see, we get to keeping get, me going. We get to see the the players like the smell of the grass and, and grown men throwing, throwing baseballs, baseballs back yep. and forth. Yeah. And, the, and that's the real baseball I doesn't live for start that. really till March. No, I live for the, the the throwing the back and forth. We get to see a lot more uh, warm videos. We yep. all get very excited and, and we you know we anticipate what's coming. So you know what there, I really like? There will be actual games though as well this month. I like the low angle camera shots from the dugout that show like the blades of grass and the yeah. sun in the background. Those are, those make me feel. Warm and then and one person inside. just just running out <laughs> past the camera. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And all the tweets from the baseball uh, writers who are down in spring training reporting that you know Aaron Judge just just uh, came up to camp. He's driving a new Range Rover this year. Yeah, no, it's uh, the, all these reports and, and anticipation and, uh, you know, covering every single little possible thing that happens down there. I love that part of it because we actually have, you know, kind of uh, spurring off of your conversation with Sweeney last week. We will have 
uh, real reporters down there reporting on real things. And that's exciting. Yeah, but don't you feel like this year, especially since the two biggest free agents plus some other big guys that are still out there, that that's kind of just hanging a cloud over everything? Because the, the conversation last year was, yeah, all the feel, all the feels about spring training, but it was also, hey, the, like J.D. Martinez is still a free agent. That, he didn't sign until after pitchers and catchers reported last year. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really focused on what we have going on in this team, and I'm excited this year for, for the opportunity that this Yankees team is going to be a much better team. So I know that there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, unknown with some of these free agents that are still hanging out there. I just don't know really how much that affects with the Yankees right now. So yeah, the that's why I'm okay where, where we are. Roster for the Yankees seems pretty much set, and that's why there's still news to happen, but I'm not quite sure how it's going to affect the Yankees or if it's even going to affect the Yankees. Yeah, and like Sweeney said last week, you know, there is there's no definitive say on on what Machado or Harper do and where they land until they are wearing another uniform that is not the New York Yankees because Brian Cashman does do that. He swoops in when he sees an opportunity. When he sees blood in the water, that's where Brian Cashman shines. So again, it I, I don't think it's going to happen, but it would not surprise me. How do you think they're feeling at this moment? Sitting here February Super Bowl Sunday morning and those two guys are still unsigned. How do you think they're feeling? I honestly, I, I I think they already know that they're going to get their money no matter what. They're just waiting for the um, the best opportunity. So well, they're going to get. I, I think they're paid. Fine. They're going to be very rich. They're going to get a lucrative contract. Yeah. But they're certainly not going to get the like insane contracts that MLB trade rumors or ESPN or anybody else was projecting. Fourteen years, four hundred million dollars for Bryce Harper. Thirteen years, three hundred ninety million dollars for Manny Machado. That shit ain't happening anymore. They're going to at some point. They're going to. They're going to start to get that antsy feeling and want to get back to baseball and, and meet their teammates and all of that stuff and just get this process going. So, you know, this could be a, just a shakeout of, of, you know, we're not going to offer the best contract until a certain time. And, and we know that that anticipation will kick in. And that's where I could see Brian Cashman making his little Cobra strike. But mm-hmm. the, you know, these guys are definitely getting antsy for it. There's, there's no doubt. Like, I, I feel like you hear interviews all over the time. I was listening to uh, CC on R2C2 and he was talking about this time of the year. They just like, yeah, it's a long season, but they get antsy. They, they get antsy to get back in, into baseball because they do it for such a long period of time. Then it becomes a, a, a void almost. And that camaraderie and being back with the guys and the fact that you get to go down to a warm weathered place every spring, like that's. So I think the the anticipation of the players is building up, and you know maybe that'll move this thing along. But at the end of the day, they're getting paid. I mean, Bryce could have taken that 10, 10 year, three hundred million dollar deal back in September. <laughs> you think and, he goes back? And he would have been very happy. And say, hey, is that still on the table? And if I were the Nationals, I'd be like, yeah, it's still on the table, but now it's two hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't surprise. Still, wouldn't surprise me if he went to the Nationals. Like, I, I still think that that's the the most obvious place. If for I him. were, if I were placing a bet on where he's going to sign, I actually would would say the Nationals. Yeah, I mean, I, it makes a lot of sense. Look, I mean, the the guy has been there for you know his entire career. He kind of grew up with the Nationals. He's the guy. Uh, I mean, if he stays there, there's a there's a monument outside the park of Bryce Harper. That's what that's if, uh, that's the type of guy he is. He's an in, he is a an institutional player. What if uh, Machado goes back to the Orioles? I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. There's already a statue. 
Um, all right, so here's what's happening today. We are going to run through a bunch of mailbag questions. Um, we also have a couple topics that we're going to hit on. And then on Tuesday, we're going to have another special episode. Scott, you spoke with uh, one of the newest Yankees, Josh Stowers. He came over in the Sunny Gray trade. So uh, why don't you tease that conversation a little bit? Yeah, it was more the shed long trade technically, but it was the um, the the whole swap of players after That's Sunny true. Gray. <laughs> Sunny Gray went from um, from to Cincinnati, obviously for Shed Long. We all got really pumped up for Shed Long for about thirty minutes, and then he got flipped for Josh Stowers in uh, from Seattle. So I had a really awesome conversation, honestly. Like it was it was a, a lot of fun, and we spoke for about thirty minutes and covered everything you could possibly. We covered like just him. His, uh, we, you get to know him as a person quite a bit, and uh, we, we talked about him growing up in Chicago and, and kind of his uh, – I had him you know, put a scouting report on himself and kind of talk about certain things. So we get some really good – if you're into some uh, – if you're into baseball mechanics too and like training regimens and things like that, he talks a lot about that, a lot about his base stealing and, and how he goes about that. So I, I had a lot of fun. I, I nerded out with a, a little bit with some of the, the baseball stuff too, but we really uh, took a good amount of time and, and – uh, talked about you know who he is as a person if he's a dog or a cat guy that was a big question that's so, i think the most important question yeah and i'm i'm very uh i'm anticipating the the answer very much and i think we need to start asking that to everybody because I, it, it can tell a lot about a person as we found out i agree and you know now that there's you know if you're if you're a cat person or a dog person very very clearly i think we are dog people and if you're a cat person not that there's anything wrong with that but <laughs> It's just uh, it's just one of those things. But, you know, I agree with you. I made it a point to ask this question because this is what we have to do going forward. This is very important information. Yeah. Speaking of Sonny Gray, um, we can't get away from that guy. Did you see uh, Derek Jeter's new daughter's name? Story Gray? I did. I did. And I did not even put the connection together. <laughs> well, they're spelled differently. It's G-R-E-Y versus G-R-A-Y. Okay. The, the initial story, Sonny, like, yeah, I'm just wondering. I'm wondering what's going on there. Yeah. I don't know. Congratulations to Derek. I'm not. I'm not even making that association. Did you even know that? He, like, I didn't. I knew they had that first child because she was pregnant back when they retired Jeter's number. Yeah. But like, I kind of just forgot. And then the headline came: Jeter uh, and Hannah and and uh, Derek give uh, you know have a second daughter. I'm like a second daughter. When the hell did they have their first daughter? Well, I think the first one, if I remember correctly, was right around the same time we had Kemp. So I think we were in line at like pretty close around the same time frame. So I did know about that one. I remember maybe that in, one. Maybe in about 22 years, they could get hitched. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, when we go down to Tampa, we're definitely going to have to scope out um, uh, the island and, and, and probably from the water to make sure to see where, where we can get in, get a little, get a little sneak shot. Um, you know, bump into them by accident with the kids. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, funny seeing you here, Derek. Yeah, we got to find these opportunities. We got to create these opportunities. Although he's in Miami now more than he is in Tampa. Is he? I think so. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Him and Neil Walker are both in Miami now. That's right. That's right. Lots of uh, lots of lots of Yankee ties down there in Miami. Congratulations um, to Neil Walker. So we put up a couple more tickets for the spring training uh, event on March 16th. Are they still available? Yeah, no, no. So they're not available. Like they're, they're, uh, they're fake tickets that went up online basically because they're already accounted for. Um, they were just the tickets for people to go out there and, and get them. So we are, we are totally sold out. Um, we're over, we had 50 originally. Uh, we were able to get 
a few more tickets. We are at 67 people going to be down there for this, uh, this Saturday. So event. that is friggin' awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. That for I'm, a spring training event, yeah. we can get 67 people to show up. Um, obviously it's, it's a great deal. It's a fun spring training is one of my favorite things just because the, the baseball is secondary. We say that all the time. It's more about enjoying the day, talking to people, t- like getting excited for the season, but you know, 67 people like that's awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. It really is. It's going to be a, a ton of fun. So that's the Saturday game. Uh, it's a one o'clock game versus the Blue Jays. And, you know, we'll be at the Friday game uh, against the Red Sox as well. And I know a bunch of people will be too. So we're going to set up a, uh, a little meetup afterwards at some point. One of the breweries that we've gone to um, get our get our boy Tommy to, to find another uh, stellar location for for our pregame. Tommy keeps inviting us over for dinner. What is he what is it, what are his thoughts about 67 people coming over for for an Italian dinner? For an Italian dinner. Yeah, he never really put a cap on it, did he? No. Yeah, Tommy Tommy you're going to have to let us know. How many uh what's what's the what's the total what what's the uh what's the cap? What's, what's max capacity <laughs> at, at, at your Tommy home? Yeah, you should, you know, if spaghetti dinners can range pretty big. <laughs> Family style. You just yeah. keep dumping those boxes of pasta in there. That's what I'm saying. Endless. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be uh, a fun trip for sure. Um, then moving forward, obviously we have the BP crew events. They're all live on the website available for sale. Uh, I'm just going to whip through them real quick. Uh, April 13th is versus the white Sox. Um, May 31st is a Friday night game against the red Sox, Boston red Sox. We've already had a bunch of tickets sell for that one. Um, and, and guys remember you can't even buy Yankees individual game tickets right now. So this is a, a good way to get locked in. These are all in section 205. These all will be a pregame. We'll, we're doing a shirt for each one. And then new this year, you get a, um, a hot dog and your first beer inside the stadium included in your ticket price. So it's pretty, pretty ridiculous, uh, the value of, of what we're doing here. June 22nd, this is uh, versus Houston. That's a night game. That's a Saturday. July 20 versus Colorado. And then August 31st versus the Oakland Athletics. Good. Good stuff. Can't wait for all those events as well. All right, so we're going to get to mailbags. Before we do that, I, I wanted to, uh, I was thinking about like irrational fears for the upcoming season, things that keep me up at night. And, and I have a few, maybe some are more irrational than others, but I want to run through them and get your thoughts. So Aaron Judge's health is, is definitely a concern. He had the shoulder issue in 2017, wrist issue in 2018. I know some of them are out of his control. Like he got drilled with a fastball in the wrist. Like that's, that's out of his control. It just happened. But the fact is, each of the last two years, he's dealt with injuries. He didn't spend any time on the DL in 2017, but we know he wasn't the same player in the second half. And then last year, he went on the DL. The team started to decline because when Iron Judge is in the lineup and on the field, they're a better team. So if he's out again in 2019 for any period of time, that's going to hurt the Yankees. No doubt about it. And you're, uh, you're talking about irrational fears here. So I think the fears that I have... I don't. I don't really consider them irrational. I guess I, I'm, I'm. I am fearful of certain things, whether they're irrational or not. But well, um, right now he's healthy and he's the judge. One is he, irrational. I get that. He, okay. Well, yeah. He came back and he was actually fantastic in the playoffs. So yes. he came back. He got his. Uh, he was doing dry swings. Right. He was doing dry swings in as September, opposed it, as opposed to wet swings. Yeah. And then wet swings in October. And man, were they wet and juicy. <laughs> yeah. No. So his health is is for sure like one of those things you you. Uh, tend to have in the back in your mind because, you know, he's a big dude. Um, those guys can, can certainly, they're probably more injury prone and, you know, coming back from an injury when you're, when you're that big as well, definitely takes more time, you know? Uh, so 
when you when you look at him, you really just hope for the best in, in, in the health-wise. I mean, obviously, the guy takes care of himself and does everything he possibly can to keep him, him himself in good shape, but freaky things happen, fluky things happen. Um, so, yeah, but you're right. The fact that the Yankees' season does, to some extent, you know, hang on the on the thread of of, of Aaron Judge's um you know injury history and and the fact that he could stay in the lineup is, is so crucial. We saw how much of an impact it had on the lineup when he was out. So yes there's a talented team without Aaron Judge, but it's not the same team. No, he is 2017, I mean he was their best player obviously, but 2018 really cemented that he is not only the leader of the team, but by uh, far and away their best player all yep. around. Yep. So He's so so crucial for the team and and where how good they're going to be from start to finish next year. All right, my second fear: What if Luis Severino can't regain his form and that like it wasn't just a tipping issue in the second half that his slider just wasn't having as much depth, it wasn't getting the swings and misses, people were connecting with his fastball. Something else is going on with Luis Severino, and the first half Severino, we're never going to see that again. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I, I still think we're going to see uh, somewhere closer to the first half guy. I think that's really who he is. Uh, I think the the rest of it, and again, I'm going to refer back to um, the their podcast, but CC was talking about this and specifically talking about Severino. I thought it was interesting when you're, when you're um, hearing it from another player who's also another pitcher and has, you know, a close relationship with him. I mean, he was talking about the fact that this is probably really more of a maturity thing in the sense that he's got a you know, continue to, to feel himself through the season and, and continue to feel himself throughout the entire season and, you know, realize that, well, hey, you're dominating for the first few starts and, and you know, in your mind or possibly in your body, you're like, okay, well, I'm dominating, so I could kind of pull back a little bit and still dominate. And then all of a sudden you have a bad start and you're like, oh, crap. And then it, and it turns into two or three and then all of a sudden there's a problem. Uh, I could see that happening. Like you get a little too confident, and then you know you start. Do you getting... think that was what it was though? You think he got he th- overconfident? I mean, he dominated for three straight months. The first three months yeah. of the season, he was uh, he was a uh, one of the top three pitchers in baseball, right up there, Cy Young candidate. <clears throat> I think I think none of us know. I think it's a, certainly a possibility. And when I'm when I'm hearing CC talk about it, you know, it's just making a little bit more sense to me too when I'm hearing it from another player that. You know, CC was also talking the fact that it, it took him six years to get to the point that like, okay, I can go out there and dominate every single time. Like, I yeah. don't need to not have, I don't need to have a bad day. I don't need to have a slow start. I can literally go out there and dominate every time. And a lot of that goes to your mentality and how you uh, approach each and every single um, outing. And and you know that was something that we talked about quite a bit with Severino. Like, when, if he has that killer instinct, that killer that that attitude where he's going to go out there and just absolutely dominate and and his confidence is there like that's when we saw how good he was you could tell he worked fast he there wasn't a lot of shaking that off. was he my was favorite just, thing about him was how yeah. quickly he worked like that bulldog mentality exactly and I, I think back to that game in houston that was probably i mean the the nine inning uh the complete game performance i mean that was just a clinic he was getting the ball he was already on right. the rubber he was like here you go try and hit it oh yes. you can't Next pitch, and, please. And that's you know it's such a big difference. I mean, obviously, when you're not locating as well, and and when you are getting hit around a little bit, you start second guessing things, and you start you know start getting into your own head as well. So, you know, I'm sure it's a combination of a few things. Like the, you could a, a, a bad outing, a bad outing, or a couple uh, mechanical slip ups could certainly turn into a longer uh, stretch of uh, of a depressed play, right? I mean, in baseball especially, if you're not repeating those mechanics, if you have a hitch in your mechanics it can absolutely take a while for it to come back and you and you to write the ship. So um, 
I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not having it as a fear. I, I'm more of like I'm, I'm anticipating and I'm excited for him to put it all together for an entire stretch because I think it's there. Can the Yankees win a World Series if Luis Severino is not their best starting pitcher? Uh, yes. See, I don't know if they can. I think they can because they I have. Think he, they I have think he need, opportunities. They have other guys who can step up. Tanaka Absolutely. pitched like a number one in the playoffs. James Paxton has that potential as well. Right. But I still think Luis Severino, his makeup, his his stuff, the way that plays, that hard fastball, strikeout, swing and miss stuff in the playoffs. That's I think I think he needs to be their best pitcher, um, or at least at least close to their best pitcher in order to win a World Series. I don't think if if, if I rephrase the question. I don't think the Yankees can win the World Series without Luis Severino. So in order for him to be there, he would have yeah, to be effective. that's probably a better way to, to ask it. I, I don't think he needs to be their, their their absolute best pitcher at that moment. Like, there are guys who could take that up. But if but he's he not needs to there, be good. He needs yeah, to be good. If he's not there contributing at a high level, then no, I don't think it's a, um, a high probability because he is a huge, important piece of this puzzle. So if, especially if you have a guy like Severino who's going well and you can get you know, two starts out of him in a short series. Like that's huge. If you can have that guy. So yeah, I think he's definitely a, an important cog. No doubt about it. Like you'd be a moron to say that he wasn't, but um, there is enough talent on this team right now to, to kind of pick up if he's not a, the best, but I do I think that's Aaron. That's, that's why I'm like, I'm not so fearful about that yet. Knocking on wood because I, I saw the makeup of the guy when he was good. And, and you, we know what his stuff is and we know that he throws, you know, high nineties and has just, you know, insane movement on his pitches when he's, uh, when he's right. So there's, there's that, there's a lot of things right there that are just like, okay, when's he going to turn it on? And it's just going to stay on. My next fear is that Gary Sanchez still can't block balls in the dirt. And then the Austin Romine truthers come out in full force and Truthers. you know he maybe Romine has another good 10 game stretch where he hits 325 and everyone thinks that Austin Romine is better than Gary Sanchez yeah I call him Romine truthers or maybe yeah. Austin Romanites <laughs> um I, this is this is what probably my my biggest fear honestly is is <laughs> Gary Sanchez the third year in a row we're talking about his friggin blocking ability not yeah. even so much about the blocking ability, just him in general, because, you know, you know, I think we both agreed that or we thought that that, you know, all of this was carried over from the from hitting to catching to hitting to catching. And he just wasn't right. So I just I just fear that he doesn't get back to that place where he's right again, because he's got all the talent in the world. He's you know, when he's playing well, he's the best catcher in baseball, probably, if not on the top three. And, you know, the guy's got all world ability at the plate. I mean, did you see the shredder? The shredder ranked him third third in baseball after a season in which he hit 180. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, not that I take the shredder with as the gospel, but and, and no, it's a lot of I the only, shredder I only, is analytics yeah. and projections, and he's obviously projected to be a better hitter than he was last year. But still, the fact remains that Gary Sanchez can be one of the most impactful players in baseball. Yeah, I only really reference it when it supports my theories. But well, they put Aaron Judge. The shredder put Aaron Judge uh, top in right field. Brilliant. I mean, it's obviously a smart, smart program. <laughs> it's, it's the best system, best, yeah. best uh, hands, analytic system. Hands since, down, uh, it can, uh, it can, it can, you know, it can call out right fielders perfectly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, Gary Sanchez is, uh, I mean, he is such an important part of this team because of the, you know, how he can impact the ball on the, on the offensive side and, and, oh you know, God, you sound, you just sounded like Aaron Boone. <laughs> I know. I did that on purpose. God damn it. <laughs> and how he can, 
and how he could control the strike zone on the defensive side. He could do a lot of really good things with with the way that uh, you know he makes this lineup totally different. And you know, with new pitchers coming in as well, and and they're I think still the question mark to this team is their starting pitching and and how we can you know live up to the expectations. He's an important part of this, and um, I just really hope we can get Gary Sanchez back because. If we do, we have, you know, an all-world guy. And, uh, uh, you know, I just don't have a lot of confidence in it right now. And I wish I did. Yeah, I I mean, he's going to be better. Than, I've been flip-flopping back and forth. Like, he's going to be better than last year, right? He has to I mean, be. Yeah. He has to be. Yeah. So, I, I mean, is he going to be the, the 30 home run, just complete force in the middle of the lineup like we saw in 2017? I think he can. I mean, I think, but, I think 30 home runs is a drop in the bucket if he's healthy. Uh, yeah. I mean, what did he have last year? And he was hurt and lost for half the season. So, yeah. Um, what if the big maple can't handle the big apple? Yeah. For whatever reason, <laughs> this is going to sound terrible because people are going to jump all over me. I'm knocking on wood and knocking on my head and doing everything. I don't see it that <laughs> the way that this guy is, as far as his makeup or the way he, uh, he talks and just, I don't know. They're very different guys for sure. There's no, you can't dispute that. Like, no, but you never know how the guy's going to handle the, the moment until he's in the moment. You're right. And then I saw a freaking bald eagle coming at his head and the dude didn't flinch. Okay. Like barely moved, feet planted, I mean, securely under, underneath him. No problems. Not I much. Mean, face can, aren't, aren't bald eagles just flying around Canada? Like, like there's squirrels flying around, just running around in America. It's possible, but how many of them are diving at your head? That I, you know, unless you're, you got some, uh, some kind of worm or, or you're holding something, not even a worm. They attack, they attack people or, and mammals. Uh, but I have a lot of confidence in the fact that he's going to have good makeup. Okay. Whether he's going to pitch to the, to the level that we think he can, that's another story. But I think that if he doesn't and he comes out and has a bad outing, he's not going to hide behind it. He's going to admit it. And he's going to say, I was bad and I need to be better. Like, that's the kind of guy I see. And if he can do that, I have confidence that he will pitch well. Yeah, and I think a bigger issue for Paxton is staying healthy and pitching a full season, which he's still yet to do, um, put together a 30-start season. Yep, that's the biggest part. That's He's got to stay healthy. All right, last uh, my last fear, and it's probably not that irrational, it's what if both Greg Bird and Luke Voigt suck? Then we have the Matthew. The Matthew, Matthew can play first base. First. Yeah. All right. And then, uh, well, but what about if Tulo? Or, or, or Tulo. Or Tulo could go to first. Yeah, you're right. You're saying if he can't field. If well, he, what, if, what if he can't walk? I mean, well, the, guy, doesn't matter. the guy's then bones we, are, are brittle at this point. Then we cut him. <laughs> right, but, then but we that cut leaves him. a hole for, in the whole. I mean, Didi's not coming back in the first half, most likely. So the Matthew can play Glaber and Duhar, but that still leaves a hole somewhere. Yeah, I mean the the if that if that did happen and Tulo um, doesn't make it out of spring training, then probably the obvious thing right now at this point the way that the the roster looks is uh, Glaber would slide over. But I still don't think that's gonna happen. I still think that they're gonna try to they'll add another defensive guy. Like it, it wouldn't surprise me if like a Hechevarria type still was on this team for opening day roster. How long do they flip flop between Bird and Voigt if both are not hitting? I, if they're both not hitting, like I think Voigt's going to be the the guy that falls off faster. They'll still, for whatever reason, they because of the left-handed bat, they'll they'll stay longer with Bird. I think uh, if they see a downfall in Voigt, I I could see them just you know 
ending the experiment at that point. So um, Voight needs to continue his Shane Spencer act. He does. He really to does. Stay in the lineup. That's a, you know that's a that's a next to impossible task. You well, I don't think, I don't think he needs to continue that that type of rampage. But yeah, he needs to be productive. The because you know look, I mean, I don't I don't think his. His leash is certainly not as long. I mean, we've we've seen oh, how long freaking Greg Bird's I, leash it's is. It's far. I mean, Greg Bird has one of those leashes that just never ends. It just yeah. keeps winding out of the dog collar. Right. And and the the fact that cat Voight, collar, <laughs> the cat collar, the fact that Voight. I bet Greg Bird walks his cat on a leash. Uh, that that would mean it would have to be out outside his jacket. He keeps it in his jacket. The the cat might get cold. Do you think the, the cat definitely has sweaters? Right. Oh, definitely. There's no doubt. Ugh, it's disgusting. The the Luke Voigt thing, if he is if he stays productive, he'll be on this team. If he's not productive, there's no place for him on this team. That's just that's it. Yeah. He's another right-handed bat in a very right-handed, you know, li- lineup and his defense isn't like defensive replacement type level defense. So, if you're not hitting then what are you doing? There's just no there's no there's no point in him being on this team if he's if he's not hitting. So that's why I think that they will stay with Bird longer, um, and they want Bird to be the guy. Still, I do believe that. Hundred percent. But Voight 100%. will be the Voight's the leader in the clubhouse as it stands today. All right, maybe you've considered sleep number bed, but thought you couldn't afford one. But you really, but can you really afford another restless night's sleep? There's never been a better time to save on proven quality sleep. Now, during the Ultimate Sleep Number event, a Queen 360 smart bed starts at only $899, and we can speak to not only the beds, but also the pillows. They sent us a couple of pillows, and I actually love the thing because, so, you, know, you know what I hate? Like, you go to a hotel room, and you just get that flat pillow that, like, a thousand people have slept on. Well, the Sleep Number pillow, there's different inserts, so you can adjust it. Just like the beds, you can adjust to your comfort, so I really do uh, think it's a good pillow. Yeah, the Sleep Number 360 beds are smart. They sense every move and they automatically adjust to you, keeping you sleeping comfortable throughout the night. And that's the the beautiful thing is, is that you can have one mattress firmness on one side of the bed and the other side can have a very different one so that both people are very happy with the firmness of the mattress underneath them. Come in during the Ultimate Sleep Number event and save 50% on a Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed. Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL you only find Sleep Number at one of the 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Visit sleepnumber.com slash Bronx to find one nearest you. All right, we're going to move into mailbags. Uh, and we just ran through all of those uh, fears for next season. If you guys think we missed any, tweet us. Uh, maybe uh, you guys have some irrational fears that we didn't cover. I'm sure Boone, there's many I'm sure, of them out there. Well, I think a lot of people will have a very... I don't know if they're irrational, but people fear Boone. <laughs> yeah, well, we have a mailbag question about Aaron Boone, actually, yep. so we'll probably talk about that. But um, I could imagine Yankees Twitter has a few more irrational fears. Oh, I'm sure they're, they're there. And uh, also, speaking of Yankees Twitter, uh, if you guys have not seen it, uh, Tyler has been doing a weekly roundup of all the good stuff and bad stuff from Yankees Twitter. It goes out every Friday morning, a bunch of hot takes in there, a bunch of funny gifts and videos and um, all that good stuff. So check that out. All right, mailbags. First up is Cody Hoxie. What three guys would you give three hundred plus million dollar contract to in the game, and why? I was thinking Judge Trout and Betts. Um, and obviously, that's what Machado and Harper are looking for. Maybe it's not out there for them. I, I think if you're not going to be giving it to Harper and Machado, you're probably not going to be giving it to many guys. Um, you know, 
maybe Machado and Harper aren't as good as uh, Mookie Betts or Aaron Judge right now, but they're 26 years old and in the prime of their career. So I think um, for me, the there there needs to be a contingency on this question because it depends on the term of the contract. If we're talking about 300 million for 10 years, then you know there's a, it's a different story. I think than even. 300 million for six to seven years. Like if I'm a, if I'm so a, you'll team, go up in AAV just yeah. to, if I'm a team, I'd rather go up. I'd rather go higher on the, on the AAV exactly. than and, and lower on the years, possibly building in with some options, team options that are, that are a little bit more friendly. Um, but that then, screws you in the luxury tax because the luxury tax is just years divided by money. You're right. So, I mean, if, if you're a team that doesn't want to go up to the max penalty for the luxury tax, then Paying a guy forty million dollars for a season is really going to hurt you. It is, but at the same time, you know how does it how does it feel when you have uh, you know your your seven to ten years of, of a very ineffective? <clears throat> yeah, player? ask the Seattle Mariners about Robinson Cano, or the Angels about Albert Pujols, or the Yankees about Jacoby Ellsbury and slash A Rod. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, bad examples of, of of these contracts going you know towards the end of their their terms and you have a, a player that's that's not remotely close to uh, productive or helping the team out. So yes, there are sacrifices in both ways. But for me, if I'm if I'm on the owner side, if I'm on the GM side, I would rather give more money for less years and and try to you know get as much impact in those in those years as possible. So that being said. Um, yeah, I think I think Betts and Trout are, are two of the number one guys that that I would give that to. I mean, Trout's uh, almost in a class of his own. If Trout was a free agent is. right now, I think he would have already been signed, and I really do think he would have gotten four hundred million dollars. I oh, I don't know about that, but I think he would. I think he would have um, been signed already. I don't think they would have. He's he's just such a shoe in it seems like he's never had a bad year i mean harper you can make the argument he had the mvp season and then he the next season he didn't follow it up he had a one war season he went from a 10 war season to a one war season every friggin year mike trout's posting nine ten war a season he's the most consistent baseball player there is and as far as judge like the the tenure thing i i, th- I think he's gonna especially well the way it's lining up with him being in free agency as as old as he will be yeah he's gonna be 30 31 30 31 yeah yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if they, if they did get to an extension before that, although the Yankees don't really do that. It still wouldn't surprise me for a guy like Judge, who, who to me is is one of those guys who is a, um, you know, he's... Spoiler he's a, alert for our next mailbag question. Yeah, sorry. He's a decade. He's, he's, just a, he's just one of those Yankees that they, they need to be part of this team forever. You know, yeah. he's just one of those guys. Um, but at the same time, 10 years for a guy that big is, is playing with fire. Yeah, Betts, Betts is in his going into his um, – he just had his second year of arbitration, and he got $20 million bucks. Next year will be his last year of arbitration, and he's still fairly young. So I could see him – a lot is going to depend on what Machado and Harper sign for. I think that'll be a good estimate for what Betts signs for. Yeah, I mean, but and, and Betts is a – he's obviously proving to be one of the best players in, in baseball, and he's, he's getting more consistent, it seems like. Uh, unfortunately for us, I think that having a, a guy like J.D. Martinez hitting around him definitely helps a lot too. Um, but he's definitely one of the guys that's going to be more uh, more deserving. He's because he, the consistency to me is very important. You need to see that consistency, and um, so that's why we're looking at the two players that we're seeing now on the market. Like to me, the Machado it just makes more sense for a lot more teams because of the consistency that he's shown and the defensive prowess that he has on the infield. So um, uh, he's he's the he's the guy that I would give more money to Harper scares me 
Yeah, I'm only giving that much money to guys who are still in their 20s. And literally the only names I could think of are Bregman and Jose Ramirez. And I don't think I would even give them that much money, but those are the only other two guys that I could even come up with for this conversation. Right. There's not a lot. That's the end of the day. Like the And, and you know, again, I'm, I'm referring back to the conversation you had with Sweeney last week, but there are some... There's, there's an interest, it's an interesting conversation when you start looking back at what the, con, what the contracts were when A-Rod signed his last deal and where they are today. And a lot of people will say, well, baseball is growing. Uh, why are the contracts not growing as well? Well, I, I think that we're such an outlier and there was such an inflation at that point that it's, it's, almost, it's, it's hard to, to look at that contract and say that that's a, that's a precedent that needs to be you know, continued on because it was such a bloated contract and there were so many of them being handed out that at some point these owners are going to look back and say, well, that was bad business. And yeah, we're making more money, but why would we go back to a, to a contract that was bad business in the first place? Why would we not get smarter? And even though they were making more money then, or there was, we saw the, um, what was it? 295 million. Was that his, his deal? Why, why are we going to pay uh, for A-Rod? that? Why are oh, we going to pay the that? second deal? You're the talking about the, the Yankees contract. Yeah. Yes. So why are we going to pay something like that when, when we realize that you know the the back end of that is not good for business. Well, so I mean, I, I also, don't know. Just there's there's a there's a there's a market correction that's happening. I think. I, I mean, that's clearly what's happening. I, I also think that um, when A Rod was signing those contracts, basically from the 2000s to, to up until like 2012, 2013, when Cano got his 10 year deal, there was a precedent for players actually playing well through their 30s. That precedent is pretty much gone. I think yeah. that left with steroids, but it also just, it, it's not, a 38-year-old player is not as good as a 22-year-old player. It's just the facts of the matter. It's just reality. So, like you said, it's bad business to pay a guy $28 million when he's 38 when you could pay a guy 700000 when he's 22. There you go. All right, the next question is from Austin Jones talking about Aaron Judge. So, we saw last year that Aaron Judge is our best player. The Yankees looked so flat when Judge went out. Even when he came into the game late just to play defense, our crowd and team just got so much more energy. With all that said, when do you think we will see an extension and for how much? Also, can we just call him the captain of the Yankees already? <laughs> so you kind of talked about it already, but I, that's why in my offseason GM plans, from when you remember from a couple months ago, I want to pay Judge sooner rather than later because I want him to be a Yankee for life, and I don't want to have to deal with do they pay him when he's 39 or do they not pay him when he's 39? Because you know it's going to be an issue when he's a free agent. So 29. why not do it now? Yeah, yeah. The Because it's just too far away, I think, for him. I don't think he would do it. That's that's the biggest thing. That's why I, I was kind of balking at that. And and if you're looking at what the Yankees do, when did they negotiate with Jeter? It was the year before he became a free agent, right? That's when they signed it. I think it was the year before yeah, so he was actually, actually on the market. <laughs> referring again back to the Sweeney uh episode last episode he mentioned the Yankees took both Rivera and Jeter to their last year of arbitration before they extended them right and so we're looking at that and what the Yankees do um, that to me will probably be pretty close to what we see with him I mean I think they will extend him early they won't let it get to free agency because I think it's uh, good on both sides for for that to get done like Judge wants to be a Yankee for the rest of his career it makes a lot of sense for him to do that too so uh, I, I do see that happening. Um, they extended it, Cano. Yeah, I, I just I don't I don't think it's going to be uh, I don't think it's going to play out as as a big problem. Honestly, I, I think the fact that we're not seeing a lot of these big contracts now 
Also because the Yankees know damn well that they have to get, they have to pay some of these guys that are coming up soon. And and maybe that is sooner than later to, to lock them up and to say, okay, you're uh, you're going to be a Yankee for the rest of your career and we're, and we're going to lock that up. So maybe they do it before, uh, you know, they did approach the contract situations with Rivera and Jeter. Maybe that's something they get ahead of. But I do think that that's very much into play and why they are doing what they're doing currently with their with their roster and their salary. I think it absolutely has a lot to do with it. And also for the captain thing, Derek Jeter won four World Series and played in the in the league for what was it seven years before he was named captain. Yeah, he was named captain in when was he two thousand two or two thousand three? Somewhere it's not that. taken lightly. It's not taken lightly. It's not something that they give out just because we think it's something that they should be giving out. Right. Is it, and he can and, and Aaron Judge can still be the leader of the Yankees without being the captain of the Yankees, and I think that's what he is. Right. Well, you know, if you if you talk to them, the their captain is Brett Gardner still. So that's that's the guy that they've all uh, in in the clubhouse anointed. Okay, as, as but their that's guy. what we heard with Paul O'Neill in the '90s. He was yeah. their emotional leader, and David Cohn was an emotional leader. Like all of those, they had all those Posada emotional leader. Like yes, you have many. Uh, players in the clubhouse who do different things but if there's one guy it's Aaron Judge no I agree but I think you know when you you have to have you know a complete changing of the guard for that even to be consideration as well so you're saying like Gardner needs to be off no longer be on the roster for sure Athia maybe I mean they never yeah. give it to a pitcher it's always a, a player a position player but I don't think it's a, it's it's not it's not something that they're they're in a rush to do either. It's, oh. not, it's certainly not something. And you got to. And the other thing is, it's it, it may not happen unless you win a championship. You got to win. If you, you win, also have to sign him to a long term contract him before you contract. give him the captaincy. Yes, because because you can't name him name him captain then and have then lose him lose him walking for agency. agency. Yeah, that would be embarrassing. <laughs> that so, would be a black uh, mark. We're looking at like 2022 if it's even going to happen. Yeah, so it's gonna it's gonna be a little while, but you know we we gotta win some game, we gotta win some uh, a championship or two here. That's, At least that's, one championship that before that even happens is a, a prerequisite, no doubt. For, All right, for next, at least today. <laughs> next question is from William O'Neill. He uh, on Twitter at William F O'Neill. The Yankees address starting pitching. The bullpen is strong and the infield is solid. Uh, with uh, Gardy likely on his last season, Frazier a question mark, and Stanton a probable DH, why aren't the Yankees after Harper? Uh, hashtag another Harper question. <laughs> William, you're not the only one asking Harper questions. Yeah, so I'm. I mean, I just I don't think they're going to go with the term. That's it. I, I I don't know how much more I could say on this. I think the the fact that that he's been inconsistent, he's got injury history. Like, why are they going to give him a ten year deal? I, I don't get that. They're not going to. So. I think if, if he they if, gave if an the, outfielder a ten year deal and that was when they, they already did that yes traded yeah. for Stan right if the market comes back to them possible it's very possible if the market comes back to them and Harper comes up and stands up and says okay I will do a four or five year deal you're gonna have to pay me a shit ton of money but I'll do a four or five year deal I think the Yankees are back in the conversation at that point and if, I've been if, taking if we're talking I've eight been, to ten years ain't happening I've been I've been practicing my first base scoop and I've been taking grounders and I'm ready to go Cash. Yeah, so I think there's um there's there's possible landing opportunities for him in in New York, but uh, you know it's got to be more of a decision on him, and, and uh, you know he's got to conform to what the what fits the Yankees better than the Yankees going out there and, and stretching themselves for a guy that uh, is not really a huge need. 
So, I mean, there's still people out there for the Harper and Machado free agency argument making the argument that the Yankees should sign it. Uh, one, uh, Rohan wrote an awesome article on Bronx Pinstripes the other day. Um, it's called Why the Yankees Should Strike in Free Agency. And, and really, he, he cites two reasons. Uh, one being that the, the farm system is not as deep as it was the last couple of years. If you look at the MLB pipeline, top 100, and all the different prospect rankings, they've got two guys in the top 100. Uh, Florial, who's their top prospect, he's a a few years away, I think we all agree, for, for the outfield. And then Loisica, who we think could make an impact for the team next year. But other than that, they traded away a lot of young players. Sheffield, Rutherford, Fowler, Mateo, Caprellian, these guys. And then even the, the other guys that sort of you could count on to make some sort of contribution, like like the Tyler Austin type player, those guys aren't in the system anymore. So that's a big reason why he's saying the Yankees can uh, – can if they sign a free agent, it could make a bigger impact because they're not going to get that impact from the system next year. Right. I mean, I, I understand the premise behind everything and, and talking about the wind curve and that the Yankees are most likely at the top of their wind curve as well. Um, when you're looking at the system, like it, it, def- it definitely makes a ton of sense that they're not uh, you know at the top any longer with with the depth of their system. But they have so many of these guys now that are on the team and that are that were you know, rookies last year or or didn't even play. I mean, you're looking at, at Glaber and Duhar, both rookies last year, both, you know, had impact years. Uh, you, you you have a guy like Clint, Clint Frazier who, you know, hasn't had a full year, unfortunate for, you know, the, the concussion um, injury. And so he's he's still a guy that, that you can, you know, hopefully count on to come and make an impact that really hasn't made an impact yet. So you're still seeing guys, I think, that, that are – not in these project, not in these rankings, and and not in the minor leagues, but still are really at the beginning of their impact years. So I, I get how you can you could say, well, let's add the impact bat, add the impact free agent right now because you put them over the top. I get that. right. That's, that's basically you mentioned the win curve. That's basically what it's saying. The, yeah. That the more a team stands to gain with uh, p- potentially winning a championship or or more postseason success, a team stands to gain. Um, that means the the more uh, free agent could impact them versus a team that's further down their win curve. Maybe they're projected to finish 500. So adding a big free agent only gets them to 86 wins. That might not be uh, as much value to that team. The only thing with, with that too, though, is that you're also adding a player, like, like talking about Machado specifically, let's say, you know, he were to come and, and he was the third, he would, would be the third baseman, right? Let's, you know, DD's back. He's the third baseman. Then you're, you're, you're basically subtracting one of your, your guys that, that got you to that point as well. So there is a subtraction with the addition. And, you know, at that point, yes, he's a better player. There's no doubt about it. But when you're talking about the wind curve and you're, you're, you're adding um, a Machado to put you over the top, but you're also subtracting a guy like Andy Hork is most likely if one of them is on the team, the other one is not. Right. Then, but you're, you're, you wouldn't just be tossing them away you'd be probably trading them for an asset that's that's fair for sure but there's also a consideration of like what got you to the top of that wind curve but now you're also getting rid of a guy i don't know there's other considerations for that i think and when you're talking about the the fact that he's in the beginning of his career that glaber's in the beginning of his career that potentially clint frazier is you know hasn't even really started his career you're still seeing guys that are going to make more of an impact moving forward um than than what we saw even last year because i do think glaber you know, will be better this year. I think he'll, I, I you know, I think we both agree that he, there was some health concerns in the second half. Um, Andrew Har, we're hoping can find more consistency on the defensive side, but can build on his offensive side. 
There's a, and then, and then Frazier's a real wild card. We don't know what we're going to get from him. I mean, he could be absolutely an impact player or, you know, uh, he could, uh, he, he could not, you know, perform to the level we, we, that we expect or want, or, you know, unfortunately could, uh, you know, these concussion symptoms could, could linger on as well. I mean, we don't know until, until we see, um, how he does. So I still think there's a lot of upside with the way that this team is constructed as yeah, maybe like le- today. Maybe left field should be a, a not so irrational fear for 2019. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I agree. It's 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 definitely going to be one of the bigger question marks. Um, but again, I, I encourage you to to check out the article. It's it, it's it, many people are making the point that the Yankees are in a position they should sign one of those two guys. A lot of people are saying they should sign both, but it's an analytical way to sort of drive home a lot of the points that a lot of people are making. So found it interesting. Um, Bodie at BBY, BB burn 27 on Twitter. I butchered that. Who is going to be the shortstop on opening day? Because I might jump off the GW bridge if it's too low. Here's what I don't get about this. This is okay. I, I, I get everybody's like, Oh, too low. Not the same guy. Not the same guy. Like quit calling him too low. Not, not, it's not too low. It's just Troy Tulowitzki. It's like this. Okay. If he is healthy and is the shortstop on opening day, or I'm sorry, if he's the shortstop on opening day, that means he's healthy. So why why is that a bad thing if he's healthy? Like if he could be a very good player if he's healthy. If he is actually healthy, which is the biggest thing that everybody's looking at, you have a healthy guy, why would you not want that? Everybody everybody should want that. Everybody should want a healthy Troy Tulowitzki because a healthy Troy Tulowitzki is very possibly a damn good player. Like I get the fact that nobody expects him to be healthy, but if we're talking about opening day and he's there, that means he's healthy. It's because we've been down this road before. But, but we've been down this road with these Yankees, with these over the hill Yankees who were good six years ago that are just a name at this point. And it's it's kind of frustrating to have to watch them send out another flyer on, on Troy Tulowitzki. And I get what you're saying. If he's playing, that means he's healthy, obviously, right. because they, they spent league minimum on him. If he can't field his position and he can't. Uh, won't produce be offensively, they're going to cut him, and I right. get that. But, but there. What if? What if there's a chance that he's just adequate, and it's like, well, he's he's okay enough, and he's a name, so he's going to get the nod because he's Troy Tulowitzki, and he's fine. He's average. But that's what we're going to get for anybody playing at shortstop. That we're not going to go out and get it. There's not going to be an impact guy that's going to be the the starting shortstop for. Well, D. I think a lot of people right now would say that they want the starting infield to be Glaber at short. Uh, Lemayhew at second, at least that and, probably and that's still gives a very you, good possibility. That gives you that's probably your best infield as it stands right now on paper. I mean, that's that's a very good possibility, though. That's that's the thing. Like that that would be if we're talking about a, a, a possible second scenario on the Yankees as we stand today with the roster that is today. That's, that's the first it. scenario. That's the that's, first scenario. I don't think so. I think the first scenario is they want Troy Tulisky to be there and they want Glaber to stay at short or uh, second. I so think the Yankees LeMahieu, want Glaber to stay at LeMahieu plays first, third, and second when yeah, like he once a week, maybe? Yeah, he floats. I think ultimately they want him to float. Okay. And so yeah, I, because maybe. if, if Tulowitzki's healthy and, you know, if he's not even if he's not the same uh, offensive player, if he's healthy and can play defense, he's a damn good defender. And but you also that's, realize that's that what they to would keep want him anyway. healthy, to keep him healthy, you're probably not going to be able to play him six days a week. I, I don't know. All I'm know. All I know is that if he's there on on opening day, he's healthy. And if he's there opening day and healthy, 
I got no problem with him being there. He could be a very good player if he's healthy. The reason he has been a disappointment for the past years is because of his health. So if we're staring at a guy who's on two legs, able to move around with no issues, the heels are not problems. We're seeing this guy, you know, go around, make all the defensive plays, adequate with the bat, that that's what we would get anyway with with a defensive replacement. So maybe, Bodie, don't jump off the GW bridge. Just just like tweet some angry thoughts. Maybe just do that. I mean, the, the thing about it, like, to me, it's a failsafe. It's like a, you're, you're, we're, we're good either way, right? Because if he's not healthy, he's not on the team. If he is healthy, he's probably making an impact. So I don't see the downside in this. Maybe the downside is that people are like, oh, he's healthy on day one, and then day three, he's hurt, and now what? Yeah, I mean, okay. the, 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 yes, that you hit it on nail on the head. It's that they, they, and they leave spring training counting on him, and then two weeks later, he has heel issues again, and he can't right. walk. Okay, I see that. Then the Yankees, and I'm sure this will happen, they need to have a rock-solid contingency plan. That has to be there. It has to be in place. But you're, I don't then, think they but can rely you're on then that. wasting a roster spot on somebody who at any moment could just break again. But again, I have also said that if we're getting a defensive replacement like a Hechevarria type, we have that guy in the system. If we're not talking about offense, and we don't care as much about the offense, but we need a guy to, to lock down shortstop, to be a defensive shortstop and lock down that position until DD's back. And whatever offense we get, we get. and Because that's probably going to be the case if we went on the free agent market right now and picked up a defensive guy, right? Then we have that guy. And Tyler his name Wade. is Tyler Wade. Yeah. No, so Tyler Wade last year was Ben Zobris 2.0. Now he's Hechevarria 2.0? Yeah, we don't know what he is yet. 2.0.1 V6. What we do know about him is that five. he can play defense at a high level. That is a known quantity. He's fast. We, we do know that. He can play defense and play defense well. So if we're not <laughs> looking at him to be an offensive threat and be that Zobris type where he can you know, do a bunch of things with the bat, then we get what we get with him out of the offense and we get a, a very good defender. It's so just unfortunate. I, I just see that as a that's a possible good contingency plan if we're looking for defense if we're looking for run prevention i'll speak in terms of today run prevention tyler wade shortstop good contingency plan it's really unfortunate that in the majors wade has looked like he won a raffle to get an at bat well he had (laughs) had it's like they picked him out of the stands they picked him out of the bleachers he's four beers deep hey here kid here's a stick go swing it Look again. You're not gonna. We're not gonna look for offense out of that position. We can't. Not right now. I, I don't think that's a. It's a reality. If you guys are. If we're all looking at a, an impact bat to give, be a sh- our sh- starting shortstop on day one in in uh, in waiting for Didi, you're either at one. You're banking on them signing Machado because that would probably be the only reason for that to happen, or you're just your expectations are way out of whack. Because what is the what's the reality for shortstop before DD gets back? The reality is a defensive guy who can lock it down. And honestly, the Yankees need that. They do need a defensive guy out there with the troubles that Andujar has had at short or at third base. I'm sorry, and Glaber had at second. Well, and short. No, but having them both in their in their positions that that we think they will start, you need to have a, a defender that is going to be you know, carrying the load at shortstop. You need a plus-plus defender at shortstop with those uh, in between those two guys. So if Tulowitzki can't move around, then he can't be your shortstop. If he can move then around, just, he's if, a good if, defensive if shortstop. You're, if, I think if you're iffy on Tulowitzki in spring training, you just say, this isn't working, we're moving on. We, we can't take the risk. I'm fine with that. Fine with that. All right, 
<clears throat> Larry Alexander says lots of people were quick to blame Boone for last year, but I think he did okay with a hundred wins. Question is, can anyone go all the way with the front office totally committed to me- to metrics while ignoring the gut? Do the metrics honestly tell you today is hot and humid and CC had BOGO burritos last night or bird is afraid of losing his chance now that he's afraid to swing? Uh, that kind of stuff. Um, the idea of CC having some burritos and then just sweating out there in the July heat. Uh, quite the visual. I mean, that's where he's at his best, isn't it? I, I, I have a lot of confidence in, in CC after some BOGO burritos. But he's, I think he's, I think he, he's off the BOGO burritos and, and all of the, the breakfast cereals now that he had a heart uh, procedure. Potentially, maybe, maybe just scaling it back. I mean, who knows? There's, there's a, you gotta have, you gotta have the things you like still. Um, but there's, there's probably a scale back. And in season, I think he does eat more of, uh, of kind of whatever he wants. But we know how he plays at a certain weight and, and how he, he hadn't played it another way. I just got a lot of confidence in CeCe at this point, knowing himself and knowing himself well. That's, that's what I have confidence in. Um, as far as Boone... The metrics are not going away. <laughs> as far as Boone, I have... The metrics are not going away. But at the same time, I, I think we're, we're going to see a guy that's feeling his way through the, the, um, the position, one, as a manager, and knowing his players. And I think he got a lot more... Uh, information on his players last year, and I think we're going to see him continue to grow. But yes, he will rely on metrics. Uh, but I do think that we're going to see more of, of the um, him reacting to the what he sees and and how he knows his players. Like that's going to be a work in progress. All right, Chris Orsi says, "Do you guys feel that baseball has undervalued switch hitting? Jorge and Bernie were prime examples of how important they were in turning a lineup over. Even Tex had a huge impact because he could switch." Uh, we didn't have to platoon first base. Can Hicks have the same impact and does it help his case for a new contract? Well, I'll say this about Hicks. I was looking through like the best switch hitters in baseball and Aaron Hicks is most certainly on that list. He is one of the best switch hitters in baseball along with Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor, Marwin Gonzalez, Ozzy Albies, maybe Jed Lowry. Like those are the switch hitters in baseball. The Yankees in 2009 had better switch hitters than all of those guys to share a Posada swisher all in the starting lineup, and then they had Melky coming off the bench. Yeah, it's pretty crazy how it's changed. I mean, we're, we're seeing, like like you said, we're seeing a lot less switch hitters in the game, period. And I think that does go to uh, a lot more of these guys specializing in what they do, and, and they just, they're not switch hitting from an early point at this point. So when we're, when we're looking at uh, the amount of switchers, the impact that he can have, I mean, yeah, he, he's a big impact for sure because, one, he's really the only left-handed guy at this point until Didi is out and or until Didi is back. But the the fact that, you know, we have no idea what to expect at first base, he's he's a huge impact, and I think that's uh, that he's extremely valuable. I, and I think the Yankees should extend crazy, Hicks. isn't it? That's, it's pretty scary that most likely what the starting lineup is going to be, what we think it's going to be, Aaron Hicks is the only left-handed hitter. Yeah, as of right now, for sure. It's crazy. It's a different. It's a very different game offensively. What do you mean? I mean, then, then what we're talking about when we're looking back at the uh, Teixeira, Posada, Swisher, Melky, the 2009 team, the 2009 uh, baseball offensive. I mean, that was maybe the most balanced lineup the Yankees have ever had. But the game itself had more switch hitters. We're we're looking at now. There's just not as many. Why do you think that is? I think it's a lot of a development. I think kids are. I think they're specializing early. I don't think there are very very many kids learning from both sides. I think we're seeing that trend, you know, go in a direction of of guys specializing in in more one. We see we see it happening all the time with sports now. There are so many kids specializing in a sport. I just think we're seeing more 
focus on on one thing rather than multiple things. And you know, switch hitting takes a lot of talent and it takes a lot of time from from both sides. And I just don't I, I don't see it as a, a trend that we're gonna um, that that's gonna continue to grow. Yeah, we talked to Siegler about it. Yeah. And, and that it'll was, be interesting to see how he progresses through the minor switch hitting. You know, maybe there's a, a, a lot of instances where guys are drafted as switch hitters, and then at some point through the minors, they just start to focus on one thing because, yes. let's face it, they, it's hard. It's hard to do both. Mark Teixeira talked about it. It's double the work. So if you're going to do double the work for the next two decades, fine, but be prepared to do that. That's the thing. It's so much. It's so much work to even get to this point. And then you have to do both and learn both from both sides. And you have to, you know, learn the scouting report of the pitchers from both sides and not just one. And you just kind of, there's a lot more to do. Um, and especially we talk about Siegler even with the way that he started doing it was his dad was throwing him batting practice from both sides every day. Like it takes a long time for you to get remotely proficient at that. And it's got to be started at a very early age for the majority of people. I mean, I get you have freak athletes out there that are doing certain things later in life, but um, but yeah, it, it takes a long time. So it's a lot of dedication and a lot of uh, just repetition at that. So I, I just don't see it, it trending up. All right. Last but not least, did uh, you remember sock therapy? Our, I do. Uh, our trivia, our trivia friend. He used to send us in more like a lot of the first hundred episodes trivia yeah. questions. A lot of riddles uh, too. A lot of riddle yeah. me this. Been away for a while, but he's back. Hello, friends. Have you forgotten about me? But have you forgot about the lost Yankee? I have more trivia, just a little for you. On the news of Otto Zero, who was the last Yankee hero to achieve a war of zero? I may not be the best rhymer, but who needs to be when you know the old timers? Uh, He says, must have qualified plate appearances. I'm talking about the last Yankee batter to play a full season and achieve a war of exactly zero. And uh, we both saw the answer. So (laughs) let's not even guess and tell the listeners that it's Robinson Cano. In 2008, uh, according to Fangraphs, he had a war of zero. But if you look at his uh, baseball reference war, it was 0.2. But uh, I was actually kind of shocked it was Cano because you think about it, and Cano basically since 2005 when he came up was just mashing the ball. But he did have a down year in 2008 for whatever reason. For whatever reason. The, um, <clears throat> for whatever reason. <laughs> for whatever reason. The uh, Yeah, Sock, appreciate you coming back. First of all, with the, uh, with the, with the rhymes, the answer... Put a, put a couple spaces in between it. I read it too fast. One, I wasn't expecting one from you. Again. We haven't seen him in like a yeah, year and yeah, a half. Yeah. So, so was, I was, was my shocking. eyes are my eyes are trained to go to the next line, and I saw it too too fast. I was a little little mad that I couldn't guess. But um, yeah, it's it's surprising when you look back and you think that that Cano is the last guy um, mm-hmm. to come out there and uh, and produce a war of exactly zero. But it's it's also with Cano. It's hard. It was hard for him to produce only a zero war because he was always a plus defender. So even if he wasn't hitting, he was always contributing because he was a very good defensive player. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's definitely one. I don't think anybody would guess it would be very, you'd be, uh, you'd be, I'd be, I'd be extremely impressed if anybody guessed that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, keep the trivia coming. It's a lot of fun to, uh, to see the answers after we read it, but pretend like I was going to guess Robinson Cano 2008. Anyway, <laughs> All right, I never would have in a million years guessed that. That's going to do it for us. Uh, another awesome set of mailbag questions. Appreciate you guys doing it. Uh, submit them at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast and look out for the tweets and the Facebook posts uh, for the calls for mailbag. They usually go out later in the week, Thursday, Friday. Um, also, take a minute to rate and review us. Five stars in iTunes. You know the deal. We say it every friggin' episode, but just go and do it already. And tomorrow, Tuesday, 
will be uh, Scott's uh, conversation with Josh Stowers. Scott, any last words? Uh, any you want to make a Super Bowl prediction? Jesus, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to make a prediction just because. I pray to God the Rams win. That's it. I just don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm over down, it. Man. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I, I, I'm sick of seeing it. The whole fact that they're playing the card that they're underdogs is so unbelievably ridiculous. Um, uh, Tom Brady's weird for kissing his son on the lips for as old as he is. I don't, I don't like that. It makes me feel very uncomfortable. And um, he's just a weirdo. So I, I hope he loses in the Super Bowl. Well, congratulations on uh, Kevin Mawe. Hall of Mawai. Fame. Kevin Mawai. Mawai. Yes. I didn't Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame center name. of the New York Jets. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. When's the, um, who's the other center after him? Uh, you're talking about uh, Mangold. Mangold. He's going to make the Hall of Fame, right? He was there for like uh, two decades, it seemed like. Yeah. He's, I could see most likely he will. I mean, he was a rock for a long time on those teams. So he's a hell of a He was a your best player for like 10 years. Yeah. He was a good player. That, oh, that was when we uh, drafted It was tough when your center line. is your best player. Well, DeBrickashaw was up there, too. He played really well. And, you know, that's why that's why Mark Sanchez was an adequate, you know, quarterback for a couple of years under the Rex Ryan regime. He actually right. was, was, was shown some, uh, some uprightness until, until he ran into some ass. <laughs> you know, that's been the downfall of many men. <laughs> that's true. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, again, Tuesday's episode, check it out. And you guys already know my secret. We'll talk to you later. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.